0: Hi, and welcome to the 33rd episode of Basha's Thoughts. So today I'd like to talk to you about three different ideas, three different ways of being and living, three different ways of looking at things, and three different types of dynamics that this leads to as a result if you apply this in your life. These three different types of dynamics are, first, the win-lose dynamics, and this is something that operates within the first two systems. So I will say one, two, and three. So in the first type of system, the win-lose dynamics operates, where one person wins, another person loses. So there's This idea of competition, of having to compete with others for resources and to survive, basically, and to live. And modes of interactions are based around that. And both one and two have this type of dynamics. And then number three has an all-win type of dynamics. This is where everybody wins in every step. So... If you take a step in number one or number two you're moving towards one person losing and another winning or a group losing and another group winning and such whereas in the third type of dynamics everyone is moving up a spiral you could say where you always go up higher and everyone moves together so number one let's Talk about what you focus on. For number one, the focus is on things. This is what you see. If you look out into the world, if you live your life, you see the world full of things, all kinds of things. You see windows, you see houses, you see animals, you see people. You have animate and inanimate objects. All kinds of things interacting. Number two tends to see processes and doing. So things are happening. There are events going on. We are doing. We are living. Life is about living. It's about doing things, getting things done. And so when they look out into the world, they focus on that. That's what they see. Things happening. Now number three. When number three looks out into the world, number three sees being. What is primary is existence in a sense, or deeper, its deeper version being, because existence means basically to stand out from something, to exist whereas being is actually the substrate, or that which allows for existence, and that is being. So the focus is on being, not so much on doing. The focus is on I am, not I do as much. Of course, all of this is focus, because all of them can see the other parts, but that's not what their primary focus is. So number one focuses on the things. Number two, on the doing. And number three, on the being. Now, what is the point of connection? Whenever you want to connect with others, how do you do that? Well, number one connects through goals. If you have a goal together with another person, then you connect Around that goal. Actually, if you look at sports, those are perfect descriptions of it. You even have an actual goal and you want to put a ball into it or such. And so you collaborate. People on your team become your teammates and your goal is to put the ball in the goal, right? The focus becomes goal. So here we have very goal-oriented people who focus on achieving their goals. When you focus on the goal, then you interact with others and you share information so that you all can reach that goal. But actually, within your team, you are still kind of competing against your other mates, teammates, because you want to look a little bit better than they do. You kind of want to be the star of everything, but you know that you have to collaborate. So you kind of have to connect with others to achieve goals, but you still actually are competing even with your teammates in certain ways. So what about number two? What is the point of connection for number two? Well, number two is focused on the purpose It's a purpose-oriented type of person. Again, this is the person who focuses on doing. So they would see themselves as that which they do. I am a firefighter. I am a teacher. I am a priest. Whatever you tend to dedicate yourself to, that you mostly are. And so when you connect with people, you can, of course, connect based on a goal, but it's so much more satisfying when you find, say, another teacher and you can talk about all the different strategies you use in the classroom and it becomes so much more interesting and illuminating and you feel a deeper sort of connection with that person than with someone with whom you want to achieve a particular finite goal. So the focus here is on purpose. What is your purpose here? Well, I'm here to teach. Well, I want to be the best hairdresser. I cut hair. Or whatever it is you tend to do. So what about the third person? Number three, what is their point of connection? Well, their point of connection is meaning. So we have number one, goal. Number two, purpose. And number three, meaning. Meaning. This is the person who focuses on being. And what is this meaning? How do you connect? Well, when something is truly meaningful to you, then that becomes so much deeper than just achieving a particular goal. Like, we want to make a meal together. Okay, we can do that, we did that, great. But I don't feel that connected to the other person just because we managed to cook together. Well, what if we are chefs and we discuss different strategies around being a chef? Well, then I feel more connected to that person. But what about meaning? That goes even deeper. If you feel that you align in your meaning and you can connect on that level, that is an even deeper connection. So this meaning is not just a goal or a purpose. Indeed, it has no end. It is sometimes called service. Now, when you hear the word service, you can think, well, that sounds like purpose. That sounds like doing. I'm in service of something or to someone. But this service is actually helping of all out of love. So, you don't help a person. For instance, you don't help a person to cross the street because the goal is to cross the street. Of course, you can do that. But if you help them because that is the goal, you have set the goal to cross the street and you want that person to be able to cross the street, and then you can help them. So you can actually be doing that from a goal oriented mindset, but when you're acting from meaning, you're actually acting out of love and you're helping and you're trying to help all. So you might still actually physically help a person to cross a street, but your meaning, your purpose, your goal are all more drawn towards love. You're actually focusing on the meaning behind it, the love behind it. So you might look at the person and you might see that they are in need of crossing the street. And from your inner connection to that other person through love, you decide to help them cross the street. If you think about it, that might actually be a much, much more pleasant experience for the person you're helping. So imagine that you're helping a person and you just want them to cross the street. Well, you might just grab them by the hand, use the other one to stop the cars and just drag them over (laughs) to the other side. Okay, here you go. You're, You're done. Whereas if you do it with meaning behind it, well, then you do it in a loving way. So you might actually connect with the person, you might look them in the eyes and you might say some kind words. You might ask them if they want to cross the street, even though it seems obvious, and you would do it in a positive manner. And afterwards, you might actually feel connected to that person. And both of you would have gained something. You have helped the other person, but you have also been able to connect to them. And they have been helped and connected to you. So this way of service or helping all out of love is a celebratory path of life. Because what you do is you start by celebrating You start by celebrating all that is good already and you're accepting and you're satisfied with what is. What is is great. I love it. I accept it. And yes, I want more. So that is a way of celebrating what is by doing so that all get even more. So you do because of love and not for a goal and a purpose. Now, if you act so that you can achieve a particular goal instead of acting as a celebration, then most of your life will be in a mode of suffering, in a mode of not being where you want, because you are focused on the goal, and that is what brings you happiness. And most of the time you will be struggling to get to that goal then you might have some moments of elation and then you will want another thing you will set another goal and you continue your life of struggling so these are very different life styles the one that is around meaning and the one that is around goals and even the one that is around purpose falls into the category of achieving a particular finite goal or acting in a particular way, but not out of love. So what is the worldview? What is the story or the myth behind all of this? So for number one, the worldview is that we have separation everywhere. We have separate selves that live in a world of separate parts and separate selves. That is the basic worldview and story of what is out there. These are the things and the people and the animals and the plants fall into some, some kind of category as well. But they are all separate. Things or beings. Number two. What worldview do they have? Well, their worldview is that of dynamics, processes. Everything is changing. Everything is moving. I actually heard that there's actually a language where most words are verb-based. So you wouldn't say, for instance, a fish. Instead, you would say this type of movement, that. And you would explain it, but you would explain it in terms of verbs. So everything becomes a movement. And so for these people, type 2, for the type 2 person, it is evident that our world is full of change and the only thing that you can actually trust is that everything will change. And this is wisdom, and this is the ultimate wisdom. So yes, we do see things... But fundamentally, everything is change. And then we have number three. What is the worldview, the myth, the story for type three? Well, their worldview is based in infinite being. That is what everything is rooted in. So it's not so much looking out into the world and seeing separation, or seeing movement, instead you see unity. You see beyond the interconnectedness, because that is more the second part, which sees that things are interconnected, whereas the first one sees them as as separate, and then they can act, react. And then you have number two, interconnected, whereas number three says we're actually... They are all one. They are so deeply interconnected that you couldn't even call them interconnected because they are one. And their worldview is based on that infinite unity being. What about the science? How would these different types of persons view science? Well... Number one sees things as being pushed and pulled. You have causality. So that is the basic idea. We have separation, we have things, and we have forces. That's how you act in the world. You act by force. You act by pushing. You act by pulling. And this is all done in a causal way. That is sort of the basic view of how we interact with the world in a scientific way. What about number two? Well, their science is more of an interconnectedness and processes and complicated systems that interact, and even complex systems where the different parts are constantly changing, because change is fundamental. This is almost a process ontology that starts to come in here and we may be moving beyond just pure reductionism and we do recognize chaos and the different types of dynamics that start to become evident when you move into these very different types of systems that may be simple in some ways. And yet they create great complexity. So that would be a worldview, a scientific worldview of the second part. What about number three? (laughs) Well, number three has a scientific worldview that we haven't actually reached yet. You could say, oh, but what about quantum mechanics? That's kind of beyond causality, you could say, because it's either causal and non-local, or non-local but causal, or neither one of those. And so this is moving beyond reductionism and such. Isn't this what you would put into the scientific worldview of the third being? And I would say yes, in a sense. I think that this is what science is starting to reach. However, the way that it is reaching these points is in a very traditional way, which comes from the worldview of number one, and then starts moving into number two. See, when we talk about the quantum theory, and when people want to describe how it works in terms of science, and then we want to make it even bigger, well, we have quantum field theory. But how do you arrive at quantum field theory? Well you quantize fields, which seems rather odd. If the quantum is the essence, if it is the basic element in some sense, which of course seems strange because a basic type of element is something you would have in reductionism, and here we're supposed to be moving beyond reductionism. So you have this very traditional reductionistic way of arriving at things like quantum field theory, and these seem to work. And yet we do have a lot of problems integrating the different theories we have in a fundamental way. And so this is why I would argue that actually I think that we haven't really reached the scientific worldview that is about to unfold. And that scientific worldview is based in being, and being through ontology, actually if you want a real ontology and not a washed out process ontology, you will have to fall into the holographic type of order of existence. So being gives us the holographic order of existence and existence is where we find the things, the processes. And so that is uh, the world, the scientific world view of number three. That is actually based in being, and through that, then evolves to be able to describe physics and such. So another way of looking at it, you could say that number one is kind of a little bit like the body. Focused on the body. Who are you? Well, I'm this body. And number two, if you ask them who they are, well, they would say that I am actually this person that has these particular ways of being, these processes. Actually, I'm a mind. My mind is mostly who I am. Not just my physical body that is separate and out there and you can see and touch. My mind is what I actually identify with. How I think, how I feel, what I feel. And you can't really see my feelings outside. You can see hints of them in the way I act, through processes. But I am my mind, mostly. That's what I identify with. And number three, well, number three identifies with awareness. That which makes it possible for you to have all of these processes, these feelings. Because you cannot just have a feeling, you have to be aware of the feeling. And it is that awareness in which you have your perceptions, sensations, in which you have your feelings, emotions in which you have your thoughts, ideas, in which your understanding and insights arise. There is actually a subtle difference between the mind and awareness. There is something in between there as well. In the mind you would say you have your thoughts and of course your feelings and such, they appear to you in your mind, although they might, they might come from your body in your worldview, but there is also the part where you have understanding and insights. For some people, there is a difference, and they would say that this is a different plane than the plane of the thoughts. And so some people might also say, well, actually, I'm two and a half. I'm not two, and I'm not three. I'm two and a half. I'm the one who has the insights, who has that understanding, that is actually my basis, that insight, that, that is me. Well, this is the causal plane. Interestingly enough, in the first person, you have causality, where things seem to be pushed and pulled, acted upon by forces. So you force things to make things happen in the world, Once you reach the causal plane, if you can tap into it, then you can gain insights. And if you go into awareness, rest in it, and you gain clarity and insight, well, that actually aligns you with everything, that connects you with everything. And then your movement will not be one of effort, forcing, making things happen. Instead, you will find the way in which things flow, you could say, the way in which things best arrange themselves so that you can all win. because you access that creativity, clarity and your imagination. So there is, actually, you could say, a plane two and a half, where some people identify. And so who you truly are is awareness. That is what you identify with. And in general, what we experience most, we tend to identify with. And so if someone will mostly focus on what they are doing, for instance, their work, which is something that is quite common because we work often many hours a day, and that becomes our focus and that is what we give the most energy to and maybe we are really tired afterwards and so we just want to relax a little bit and so who we are becomes that, the work we do the physical work or maybe mental work if we work with our mind mostly so that is who we will tend to identify with because that is most of our experience But If we start giving opportunity for awareness to be a part of our daily experience, then we will have a chance of starting to identify with it. Starting to identify with awareness. In meditation, where we let go, where we let go of all the concepts and ideas, where we let go of feelings, we relax. Our thoughts and relax our feelings, surrender them and go deeper and just be. Whenever we do that, we start experiencing something that is not full of mind processes and something that is not focused on external things out there. And that gives us the chance to start to identify with being, with awareness, with love. That actually is the door to clarity and to creativity. It is when we become present, just aware, just are, just move into that space that we, later on, feel greater clarity around the issues in our life. Perhaps you have experienced this, how all of a sudden you get an insight, how all of a sudden you can solve a problem after having looked away from it. So first you might need to focus on something, think about it, and then you leave it. And if you can move into that, quiet space, then when you come back, you can become much more efficient at your doing as well, and your clarity will be greater, increased. So living in the space of awareness, as awareness, we see the world as being based in that, and we live around meaning, service, or helping all out of love, not for a purpose. We become happier, we become more efficient. But we don't do it to become more efficient. See, that's a trap. If you start doing these kinds of things because you want to become more efficient, well, then you're taking away your focus for meaning and you're putting it on a goal. And you're actually losing out. So for it to work well, it has to come from love. And... Your focus then is such that your actions will tend to be more and more aligned with all win types of systems and dynamics. And you will actually be able to feel it. You will become more and more sensitive to it. And you will be able to actually feel things and get a lot of information from just feeling, intuiting, and not based on logical thought. That doesn't mean that it's not logical, but it works in a slightly different way. It works in a more holistic way, you could say, where you get all the information at the same time. Feelings often work that way. If you think about what it's like when you meet someone for the very first time, often within a couple of seconds you kind of get a feeling, and you kind of feel like you know a lot. And you could say, oh, I don't know why, but I get this feeling that I can trust this person, or that I cannot trust this person, or that whatever it is, you're actually getting a lot of information. And that is information that is based on your previous experiences, but the way it is presented to you, when it comes through your perceptions like that, is in a holistic way. So all of a sudden you just get, okay, I don't think I can trust this person. I don't know why. I, I just feel that. And then, logically, over time, you might arrive at that. And you might be able to support that claim. So if we can learn to listen to our perceptions and the insights that come from them, then we can derive benefit from it and in all wind systems because we so often move into that restful place and because we tend to become more and more sensitive because we let go we don't build up walls around us we don't protect ourselves because we're not in the win-lose dynamics We're not trying to defend anything. We're not trying to build up these walls of protection. And we're not trying to attack. So you do become more sensitive, more in touch with who you truly are. As a result, you become a happier person. And as a result, you become a more loving person. And as a result, you often become more creative, gain greater clarity, and can can even become more efficient when it comes to certain things. So there are many benefits to this type of being. That's type number three. Because both one and two operate within the win-lose system, although they do operate in slightly different ways. That was what I have been thinking about during the last week and I think I'll finish here. Hope you have a beautiful week and I'll talk to you in another podcast. Take care.